My parents, Grant and Cy Foster, who's also known well for her blog, A Bountiful Kitchen, just returned from an 18-month mission to Spain, Barcelona, where they taught, led, counseled with, and mentored young adults in our church. I really wanted to ask them in detail about their mission and what they learned and experienced and how they got through the pandemic while truly locked down inside their little apartment, which they called their piso, for 70 days and were under restrictions almost their entire mission. So today we talk about the Lord's timing, listening to His voice, answering the call when you feel you need to serve, how to really make the most of your mission, adjusting to mission life, and then back to civilian life after the mission, and their advice for those thinking of serving as senior missionaries. All right, I am here with my mom and dad, Elder and Hermana Foster, as they've been known for the last 18 months, or Grant and Cy Foster, and my mom's well-known also as A Bountiful Kitchen. And I'm super grateful to have this opportunity to talk to them specifically about their mission for the last year and a half in the Spain-Barcelona mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We had a podcast episode go live right after you guys left that talked about your whole experience being called on a mission. But for those who maybe haven't heard that yet, can you guys give us kind of the Reader's Digest version of what brought you out on a mission? Yeah, we were approached by the galleys who were the mission leaders of the Spain-Barcelona mission after they were called, but before they reported to their mission. And they asked us if we would come and join them and serve there. And after a lot of prayer and thought and consideration, we decided to go. And we felt really strongly about serving 18 months. We prayed about how long we should go. We prayed about when we should start. And we felt really inspired to serve for 18 months, starting in January of 2020, and which would have been the second half of the three-year mission that the galley served. So that's kind of in a nutshell why we went and when and Craig Craig Galley was my law partner for approximately 15 years and he recruited us. And what he did, our initial reaction was no, we're 10 years too early. But as mom points out, we prayed about it and it became very clear we needed to serve. He wanted us to serve at the beginning of, of his three year um, assignment, which would have started in. July of 2018, but because of work and other reasons, we really couldn't do it until the second half. And what's so interesting is that when you look at your life and you look in the rearview mirror a little bit, you can see the hand of the Lord. And to me, one of the craziest things about the time when we served is when you think about COVID, we started our mission service on the 13th of January. The first known COVID case to arrive in the United States came on a plane from China on the 15th of January, two days later. So our mission nearly perfectly bookended the time that our missionaries were right in the middle of COVID. And of course, we had a little bit of freedom in the beginning. And then in the end, right before we came home, we had a little bit of freedom. But right in the middle of all the hard things is exactly when our service lined up. 
yeah, pretty much 80, 90% of your mission was in lockdown, right? Yeah, it was with restrictions. So yeah. So I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to ask you about I want to go back to before COVID started, what the adjustment was like for you two as senior missionaries, as two people who had been married for a really long time and had pretty separate lives. And then all of a sudden you were spending 24 seven together and trying to figure out how to be a companionship together and everything. What was that like? (laughs) Well, it was a big adjustment because we, like you said, we were really independent. I mean, we're, you know, we spend a lot of time together, but we also spent a lot of time apart before our mission because your dad go to the office and work every day and I do things at home and do my work out of the home. But we spend a lot of time, you know, doing our own thing. And we really enjoy spending time together. But to all of a sudden go from that lifestyle to oh your companions yeah all the time (laughs) was a big adjustment. And we got to Spain. We, you know, I mean the MTC, the Mission Training Center was I mean, you were with other people. We were there for, what, a week and a half. We did some training there. And then we flew out and went straight to Barcelona. And when we we were in Barcelona for a day, then we went to Palma, which was where our assignment was in the Balearic Islands on the island of Mallorca. And when we arrived there, after we got over a little bit of jet lag, we had seven weeks before the lockdown started there, before the confinement period started. So it was a big adjustment because all of a sudden, all of these things that I was used to doing by myself, like going to the grocery store and going, you know, and pretty much being at home during the day alone, turned into always with your dad. (laughs) So it was an adjustment. And as senior missionaries, as junior missionaries, the younger missionaries, you have to be within sight and sound of your companion all the time. I mean, they sleep in the same room. They sleep in different beds, but they sleep in the same room. They go grocery shopping together. They recreate together on their day off. They teach together. They're always together with their companion. But with senior missionaries, you have a little more leeway. So like if I want to go for a walk by myself, which I did sometimes, or if I want to go to the grocery store by myself, I can do those things and that's, you know, that's fine for senior missionaries, but because I didn't want to drive in Spain because it's so crazy where we were, the driving was so crazy. I just told your dad, I'll just let you drive for the next year and a half. And it was really (laughs) different for me. And I mean, our parking situation was kind of, you know, a little dicey. It was in this small dark garage with a big incline and we I mean it was so crazy the way we had to go in there and the way he would back the car into this tiny little space and I just said I'm good with you driving me so when we would go to certain grocery stores he would drive and he always went with me and that was that's something we haven't done since maybe I don't know our first year of marriage right right yeah so your dad learned a lot of patience (laughs) just following me around the grocery store. And, um, and we just, you know, we spent a lot of time together and we kind of had to get used to being together a lot again. So kind of going back to what it's like, even before you have kids, you know, like when you're very first married and there's just the two of you, 
Right. But even then you had separate lives as far as jobs and school and things like that too. So probably the first time in your life that you've ever been together 24-7 for a really long time. So for couples who are contemplating that, what's your advice for them about if they're thinking, I don't know if I can handle that? I think it would be really hard if you don't enjoy your spouse to go on a mission because you really do spend a lot of time together. That said, there's no question that your mom and I are closer today than we were when we started our mission. There's more love. There's more understanding. There's more that we've shared between each other, which really has built and grown our relationship. Your mom did a good job of pointing out some of the adjustments, which I would echo. But also for me, there's another adjustment. And that was I had in my mind more of the schedule of what it was like to be a younger missionary. An adjustment for me was realizing that as senior missionaries, you have much more leeway and the schedule's not fixed like it is with, with, with younger missionaries. You wake up at a certain hour, you have hour slots for various things throughout the day and not so with senior missions. And so mom and I adjusted to that as well. We studied as a companionship every day, but it varied and we changed it from the beginning to what my perception would be as to how it would be ideally laid out to what worked for us. We went on walks every day. We did a lot of different things every single day, but we adjusted so that it worked for our schedule. One of the things that I didn't anticipate was we were eight hours ahead. And so it was a little harder to want to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night because guess who would call us at about 11 or 12? you and Brooke and our other kids. And then I'd want to speak with my dad or, you know, we would do this course through technology, which is one of the best things for senior missionaries is FaceTime or another type of video call technology, because for us that made all the difference. Yeah, that's really cool. So I want to segue into talking about, staying busy as senior missionaries, because I've heard from some people who serve as senior missionaries, they get out and they think they're going to be so busy or have a lot to do. And then it's a challenge to figure out what to do with all of your time. And I know that you guys did a really awesome job staying busy and finding things to do and, and getting yourselves involved. So tell me about that and tell me about what advice you have for people who maybe are on a mission right now or are thinking about going or are are going to go soon and how you can make the most of your time as senior missionaries? Well, I think like your dad said, we had certain things that we did every day, not on an exact schedule, but we, I think we were, you know, religious about certain things working out. That was a big deal to us. So we did that except for Sunday. And we did a lot of these other things that we had scheduled we would do and we would make adjustments depending on our day. We've heard this from other people too, that they felt like maybe they were being underutilized or they ran out of things to do. And we never ran out of things to do. And I think it's because both of us, when we see a need, we, we don't really ask permission. We just do it. For instance, we had some young adults and this was still before we were permitted to meet together in person. 
we did a lot of these things online. We had young adults that were preparing to go through the temple and before they went on missions or because they had decided we want to go through the temple. And so we decided we would teach a temple prep class and we knew there were resources online and we knew because we would had kids, you know, you and uh, our other kids go through temple prep courses. We just said, Hey, we'd love to teach you uh, temple prep. So your dad just set that up. We, that was something we actually did in person after we were permitted to have people over to our place. And so we distanced and masked taught temple prep in our ESO with the doors open, windows open, things like that. We taught mission prep. We had, like I said, a number of young adults. And that was our primary assignment was to work with the young adults and the mission president, President Valley, assigned us to go to Mallorca. And we, so we worked a lot with the young adults and we taught mission prep as well to some of those um, youth that were getting ready to go on missions. And that wasn't something that anyone ever, you know, asked us to do or assigned us to do. We just said, hey, let's teach mission prep. So we did that for a few months. We just kind of looked for needs and thought, oh, we can do this. We just kind of inserted ourselves where we thought we were needed and where, you know, maybe use some of the resources we had or the information or the things that we had learned and just kind of put those things to work. One of the things that we relied on heavily, and that was this was based upon advice we received from from a number of others who had served missions, both as mission leaders, but also as senior missionaries, is they said, you get to define your mission as a senior couple. You have to figure things out. And so we relied heavily on the spirit to guide us. And we sought the spirit. We looked for needs, like mom said, and then really tried to let the spirit dictate to us what we should do. We have heard a lot of couples mention that they struggle to figure out how to define themselves and what their role should be as, as senior missionaries. But like mom said, we, we were so busy from literally the first few weeks until we ended. And there was always a list of things to do that was greater than the time and the day that we had to do them. Mm-hmm. I remember that, <laughs> that you guys were always always up to something. And I think that's a great example, not only for missionaries, but just that's how Jesus was too. He wasn't looking around to do things that were a letter of the law. He was always looking for the outlier, the person that needed extra attention, the situation that needed some extra help or something that, like you said, the spirit is guiding you to do if you're seeking those opportunities. And I think that's applicable with ministering and with callings and really anything that you do, you know, in the church or even out of the church as neighbors or whatever. So it's a great example to me that you guys set of just taking an opportunity and making as much of it as possible. One of the things that's assuring relative to following the Spirit is with regard to a number of things that Mom mentioned, mission prep, we also taught institute. Some of the young adults literally went through life-changing transformations during this period when we taught them online. And then toward the end of our mission, they wrote us and shared some of their experiences with us. And in reading 
their letters, it became clear that we were clearly used as instruments in the hands of God to allow the Spirit to touch their lives and create this mighty change of heart, which we know comes about only through repentance. And, and we all need to repent. And when somebody discovers the beauty of repentance and how it can empower you to be greater than you otherwise would be to us, that is the blessing of the gospel in a nutshell is availing ourselves of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So that was, was a special miracle that we witnessed over and over. So cool. I want to ask you guys too about timing. You've briefly kind of touched on that a couple of times. And you talked about how your mission pretty much perfectly aligned with COVID, the beginning and the end. And I want to talk about how do you see a parallel between the Lord using you and his what he needed and the timing of you guys being there? And I think for some people, they might feel like this was the worst timing ever, but I feel like you guys have a different perspective. So can you share that perspective with me? Well, I think that we did get a lot of messages from people saying, you know, oh, we're so sorry that your permission turned out this way. And we really feel like it turned out exactly the way that the Lord wanted it to turn out for us and that he placed us, put us in this place at this time for a reason. And a lot of people will say, oh, it's because when everything happened with COVID, we knew how to use social media and you were there at the right time. And personally for me, I don't think, I mean, just after having watched everything that went on in mission and what we saw go on in the Europe area with a lot of the missionaries, because we were involved in a lot of meetings where there were other missionaries that were using social media. Personally for me, I don't really think, oh, we were sent there because I, you know, I knew how to use social media. I mean, it was helpful. And, but I really feel like after being there, those missionaries are, those young missionaries are so, they were the ones that were put there in the exact right time to use social media on their missions because there, there just never has been a generation that is better equipped to be in this situation where they're teaching online, where they're, where they're finding people who are, are ready to hear these messages online. I mean, and there are so many missions around the world that didn't have a person like me who knew a little bit about social media that could help them out. And they did just fine. And they're just flourishing. So to me, I think for us, we needed that experience. And also, you know, Heavenly Father put us there because I think he knew that we would, I mean, I don't know totally the reason why, but I do think that he felt like, okay, I'm going to send these guys here at this time. And I think he had his reasons for that. And there just were no mistakes. I just, you know, I just don't think it was a mistake that we were there. My perspective is a little bit different, as you might imagine, Corinne. <laughs> Mom suggests that her role understanding social media wasn't that big of a deal. It was a big deal. Your mom's knowledge of social media, of how to create effective posts on social media and content was absolutely critical. And not only did 
our mission benefit from her knowledge, but also the Europe area who found out about her knowledge also benefited because she was invited to go into basically think tanks, online think tanks, where they discussed ideas and, and different ways to connect with people. So, so that was an important role. But I will agree with her that there were many roles as far as reasons why we were sent, when we were sent. Even your age, right? The fact that you guys were, if you had been 10 years older, like you had originally planned, maybe you wouldn't have been able to stay, right? That's a really good point. They asked all senior missionaries in Europe to go home. And mom and I had actually talked about what if they ask us to go home the week before they asked us to go home. So we already had a response in mind. And our response was, we want to say no. Of course, if they would have required us ultimately to leave, we would have left. But when we got the call from President Galley, he and I are friends. So he called me and said, Grant, I've got some, some bad news. They want all senior missionaries to go home. So you and Cy need to pack your bags. And I said, well, Craig, what if we say no? And he became very emotional and said, I knew that's what you would say. And from our perspective, really, we gathered experience playing team sports. I mean, if you are on a team, you're not going to leave your teammates hanging out to dry ever. That's part of what you learn. Uh, let's say you're the captain of a ship. If you're the last one on board, you know, when the ship goes down, well, I told President Galley, if you're the last one on, then I'll be the second to the last one on. Because there's no way, if, if we can help it, we're going to leave you. We're young, like you said, Corinne. We're not worried. We feel safe. So what we did, I said, you're a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Let's get creative. That's what we do, you know, professionally. So we said, let's request reconsideration. <laughs> Something that, uh, of course, lawyers might do. I sent a letter to to President Galley, and, and he forwarded it to the area presidency and Elder DeFeo and President Galley exchanged text messages. And in the end, it boiled down to, well, President Galley, if you're comfortable with the foster stay, then I'll go ahead and let you keep them. And so that's what happened. And we were able to stay. And there were a few other senior missionaries that were also allowed to stay, which was really nice. And, you know, someone to run the office and... We have a senior sister missionary who ran the office and who knows, I, I just have no idea what they would have done without her. And then there was another couple, the Tylers who were in the North, who took care of the Northern part of the mission. We took care of the islands. And then there was a nurse and her husband who stayed for a couple of months to finish out their time. And until we could get another nurse. One of the things that we that I believe was an important part of our mission was what mom shared on her Instagram stories. She shared our mission experience starting in the MTC and she would put up kind of what it was like in the MTC. And then when we got to see what it was like to go grocery shopping together, what it was like to teach together, she just included stories about life as, as, as senior missionaries. She had hundreds, if not thousands of comments from people saying, Oh, we never thought about serving a senior mission in our 50s, but now you've really opened our eyes and now we're thinking about it. And I personally believe that was another reason that we were sent when we were sent was to expand the, 
the knowledge of people that you can do this when you're maybe younger than you originally thought you would need to be to serve a senior mission. Right. It's so inspiring to see someone step by step go through an experience that maybe you think to yourself, oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it. I mean, that happened to me when President Nelson gave that challenge for the sisters in the church to read the Book of Mormon in three months. My friend Kendall had read the Book of Mormon in one month, the month before that. And when he gave that challenge, I thought, well, if Kendall can do it in one month, I can certainly do it in three months. And I think it is really powerful to see someone that you follow, whether you know them or not, achieve something that makes you feel like, oh, maybe I could actually do that too. So, so there were a lot of reasons I think we were asked to serve when we did. Um, there were miracles, as I mentioned, among the young adults on the islands that wouldn't have been the same miracles if they would have happened at a different time. I think we needed to be there as instruments in the hands of the Lord when we were there. And as well, we, you know, President Galley was not able to travel to the Balearic Islands for roughly 15 months during the middle of COVID. So he leaned on us to to do so many different things on the islands because he couldn't couldn't go. Mom has told me before, it it's almost like California, the size of the Spain-Barcelona mission, right? Like NorCal to Southern California, like it's a very, very large mission, right? Geographically. That's correct. Yeah, it takes it across all the top of northern part of Spain and wraps around the east coast all the way down to close to the southernmost part of it. And then it includes as well the Balearic Islands, which is where we were. And uh, the Balearic Islands, it's the only where there's a district in the mission boundaries. The other areas have stakes in them. But because it was a district, President Galley is the presiding officer. And that's why he needed us to help him out in the Balearic Islands during COVID. So that was, you know, I think we've listed about three or four really specific reasons why we were supposed to serve when we serve. But I will say again that your mom's knowledge of social media was absolutely essential for our missionaries to to experience the success that they did. That's so awesome. Okay, I want to talk now about some of the challenges of COVID that you guys saw. I know that you kept a journal daily about some of the challenges that you went through. I know you counseled a lot of missionaries as they went through challenges with mental health and with being confined to a small apartment. And talk to me about, I mean, you guys gave me and our my siblings great advice about how to get through that time. And as I struggled with some mental health things, I I know that like mom gave me some really wise counsel that she was giving to other missionaries. So talk to me about what that was like and what you learned and how you counseled others to get through that time. Well, it was a, in Spain, it was a 70 day confinement period. So it was 70 days of being inside. You know, we couldn't go Cause you hear people talk about, Oh, we we're in lockdown, you know, here in the U S and it was a little different because we weren't allowed to get in cars. You could get in the car and go to the grocery store. If 
you couldn't walk to a grocery store. We could not go to, we didn't know at first that there, this was a rule, but we found out really quickly. You couldn't get in a car together as a couple and go to the store. You couldn't walk to the store together. Only one person from a household could be out at a time to go to a store. The only things that were open were store and pharmacy. And you were supposed to go to the nearest one to your home. If you had a dog, you could take your dog out for a walk. But there was no, you couldn't go out for a walk. You couldn't go out for a run. You couldn't, nobody was out. Like children couldn't play outside. Or people with Crazy. little children, they were inside. They could not. And people that lived in the city, their kids were inside for, you know, for, <laughs> for 70 days. So you were inside the missionaries. The younger missionaries were only allowed to go to the grocery store once every two weeks. So you were inside. You were not outside of your apartment. And most missionaries live in either a one or two bedroom apartment, depending on if there's one companionship or two in the place. So, you know, Europe, they're fairly small apartments and it's a combined space. So we were inside after that 70 day period, we could go outside for walks during like they would give you a certain time you could be out like from seven to 10 in the morning and then from you know, seven to nine at night, you could go for a walk. Um, that was still when really there weren't businesses open, but people were just, you know, so anxious to get out. So we go out for a walk. Um, and that went on for another, I don't know, month or so where we were restricted as to when we could go outside. There was an outdoor mask for, I believe, a year. That started last year and in June and in July, the 1st of July. And that ended five days before we came home. And this isn't just, oh, it's suggested that you wear a mask. It was a law. <laughs> like you'll get a ticket from a police officer if you're not following the rules. Mine was 500 euros, I think, for not wearing a mask outside. Which is equivalent to what? Maybe $700? Yeah, in the U.S. So. Yeah. So, and they were giving out so many, writing up so many tickets in the beginning when people were outside of their homes and, you know, police patrolling everywhere and riding up and down the streets with megaphones telling people to get back in their homes if they were out. And so, yeah, it was just very restrictive and there was a lot of fear. People were really afraid. Um, but we, we did keep a journal during that time. We we found this paper inside of our piso that was left by some other senior missionaries. And it looked like a scroll paper. It was printed up and it looked like a scroll. And so it started out that we wrote on the first day, we, we were just going to keep a record, right, of what we did. And we thought that confinement was going to last like two weeks, you know. And so we wrote down... Something we learned, something we accomplished, and what was the third thing? I can't even remember, but we were going to write down three things. And after a few days, it turned into a journal. So we kept this journal and put these pieces of paper up on these big square tiles in our or rectangular tiles in our kitchen. And we kept those for... I wrote on them for 70 days. Your dad continued to write on them for another 30 days until they lifted 
all of the restrictive times to be out of your place. Because it was like 100 days altogether. But we kept those. And I mean, there are things that we went back and looked at that recently. And there are things that we wrote down that, you know, you just kind of forget about those little things. But there were so many things that we recorded that were really, just really precious and sacred things to us. So talk to me, mom, about some of the the things that you counseled missionaries about, because that had to have been so hard for some of these young missionaries. I mean, you and dad picked each other as companions to be stuck with for <laughs> 70 to 100 days. But what about these young missionaries who maybe didn't really care for the person they were companions with or that, you know, even if they liked them, they, that was probably still so hard for everyone. So what were some of the things you guys counseled the missionaries about? There's a really great online resource. It's called Adjusting the Missionary Life, which really applies to anyone at any stage in their life, but was written to help missionaries with all types of different situations that they might, where they might be having struggles adjusting to their life as a missionary. But we would go through that. We read that together. We talked about it um, quite often. And when we had missionaries that we were trying to help out. Sometimes the galleys had so many missionaries to take care of. And sometimes when sometimes present galley would call and say, Hey, could, you know, I've got this missionary that could use some extra attention and time. And could you counsel with them? And he had the permission of the missionary and to talk to us about it. And so we did that. And it was really, that was a really sweet experience. Your dad and I both spent a lot of time on the phone and you know, we would kind of just be a listening ear and then also try to just offer some some suggestions, just everything from meditation, breathing, you know, sitting near a window where you're getting light. Some of these missionaries were in places where there was no patio, there was no going outside. So we would tell them, sit next to a window, open the curtains, open the window and let the sun shine on you, you know, just simple things like that. Or we would talk about like, okay, let's focus on one, tell me one positive thing that happened to you this morning, you know, and let's talk about that. And what, you know, what can you do? Like what we would just break things down into just little, instead of trying to, oh my gosh, I'm inside for this confinement and I'm smothering in this, you know, Instead of like trying to eat the elephant in one bite, it was like, okay, let's, let's just one bite at a time. Let's just you know, yeah. work through this. So I don't know. We, we tried all different types of things and it was a lot of listening too, don't you think? For sure. They have a mental health specialist assigned to our mission. It's an area. He, he, he was the doctor for the whole area. So the real serious mental health challenges would be handled by him. And any missionaries that had, we should probably say this, any missionaries that had health issues or felt like this wasn't a good fit for them right at the in begin- the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning of COVID, basically all missionaries, and this came from both the missionaries and their parents who were concerned about COVID, were allowed to go home. And legitimate reasons can be all across the board, but several missionaries went home because either pre-existing condition that could put them at, at a high risk or perhaps a mental health condition that would create serious issues for them. 
So that there were several that left and some stayed knowing that they still challenges and they were amazing. Some of the, some of the missionaries who stayed that you thought might have problems became very strong through COVID. So that was an interesting, inspirational experience that we witnessed as well. Do you have any favorite memories that you want to share? Maybe a story or two that each of you could share from your mission? I mean, there are so many cool memories and cool stories that some are very sacred. I mean, there there were things we experienced in COVID that that are written in our journal. We kept a COVID journal that are so sacred. We will certainly share them with family, but we had to ourselves work through some challenges that we that we had. We recognized the hand of the Lord in resolving those personal challenges that we had. Very sacred things. But the takeaways and special experiences really relate to the individuals that we saw come unto Christ. And just witnessing that change was, to me, the greatest miracle. Something very similar but different was just seeing the change in us through serving others. The love that grew between your mom and me was was miraculous. It was it was beautiful. And I've never loved your mom more. And I think she's now got a greater appreciation for me too. Yeah. I I mean it really I just don't know that you could have a better experience as a couple to serve a mission together. I mean, because first of all, your whole existence is based on serving, you know, you're serving a mission. And so you're just putting aside all of those things that normally take up so much space in your life, like, you know, that you worry about, like paying bills and social events and all of these other things that they're important, but they just, when you can put all of those things aside and they're just not even on your plate, you can really focus your life on service. And I think when you're focusing your life on service, it's just not about you. It's about other people and it's about God. And so it just changes your your whole life and your perspective. I think that some of the things that I will remember that really I will always remember are things like the first time we had hermanas that were on the islands with us, but we were not allowed to gather for months as members of the church. We weren't allowed to go to the church. And that, of course, was going on all over the world. We went for a long time there. And the church was being extra cautious because they didn't want to be, you know, they didn't want to open things up too quickly and then maybe be the cause of gathering. Yeah. Yeah. And an outbreak. Yeah. They were really careful about that. And so we had sister missionaries who did not partake of the sacrament, some of them for, I think, up to seven months. And the ones that were with us in the islands, when they finally said, okay, yes, um, you can meet with them. We still weren't meeting in the building, but you can have them over to your piso. And um, your dad blessed and passed the sacrament to them. That was just the sweetest, most tender and sacred experience because. Um, they just 
they just wept and just said how difficult it had been for them to be without that because we had that in our place because your dad, you know, was able to bless the sacrament for us. And, but they were without that and we weren't allowed to go into their place. They weren't allowed to come to ours for months and four months. Yeah. Four months. And then we had some missionaries that left some sister missionaries that left our area and were transferred to another area and they were transferred to areas where they were still not permitted to, to meet at all. And so they went for a few more months. Right. Seven, yeah, seven, seven was months. the longest, but still seven months without partaking of the yeah. sacrament. And they said, you know, and it was interesting because I thought they would just say, we really missed it. We really, you know, gained an appreciation for partaking of the sacrament. But they said, I asked one of them about how she felt. And she said, it was so hard to teach people about the sacrament and the blessing of partaking of the sacrament and what that means to us. She said, without being able to do that every week and to take people to church and have them see, you know, this is what we do. And I thought that was so interesting, but that was a really, really sacred experience to us. And we were allowed to go to the Madrid temple a couple of times with some of our young adults who went through the temple just before they went on missions. And that was a really sweet experience. And just some of the people that we saw that were baptized that, like your dad said, some of these people that we were really close to, it really, we watched them, their hearts change and they were willing to give up so much to become members of our church and become followers of Christ. It was just really sweet to see that and be involved in that. We had a lot of baptisms at a pool. Couldn't have baptisms in a building. We had a lot of baptisms. One of our members who had a beautiful pool invited us to come over and use her pool as often as we wanted for baptisms. So there were a lot of baptisms that took place outside in her pool and and that was a really sweet experience. I think we'll always remember we had one baptism of a, of a lady who, when we showed up, she had all of these dogs and the dogs ended up coming right to the edge of the pool. They stayed out of the pool until the baptism was over, but that was a really fun experience. And your dad was able to baptize this woman. And anyway, there were just so many great experiences that we had. Corinne, one really cool experience that we that we had was understanding the way the Lord works. As we discussed, we had about seven weeks of pre-COVID normal activity with the young adults. And what we did was mostly family home evenings once a week. Mom would cook. You can only imagine what these young adults ate. I'm sure they're still mourning the loss of her leaving. No question. But, but we would also include a message and then some games. And we did that for seven weeks. And then it went from thinking that that was going to be a big, big part of our mission, doing those every week to all of a sudden we're locked down. And through COVID, it was really frustrating to mom and me to feel as if a lot of these young adults were slipping through the cracks, like we were losing them. We didn't have that connection, that, that human interaction element. So we really worried a lot about that. Uh, we didn't know what to do. We would reach out to some of these young adults 
by text and by voice message and not get any response. So you can imagine what we're thinking. Oh, they're, they're probably gone and they're lost. Well, about a month and a half before we came home, they loosened things up and we started to meet again with the young adults. And it was only then. We had four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. Four mm-hmm. weeks when we started to meet and then before we left to go back home. So we did four family home evenings at the very end of our mission that were like the first ones. And it was only then that we realized why we had seven weeks before COVID. And that was because when we went back to invite these young adults, we knew them. We had already made a personal connection. We were able to reach out one by one and contact them. And they came back, Corinne. It was miraculous. When we left the last family home evening that we had, we had 60 young adults come back from us. Really, we had more young adults show up for those final family home evenings than we had before COVID. And some the Lord had prepared because some of the church leaders told us we haven't seen some of these young adults for years. And they came back. And so that was really neat to see the hand of the Lord and understand that he was using us in his way, even though we were frustrated during COVID, that we couldn't really connect with them. He, his purposes were not you know, exactly consistent with our thoughts. And in the end, we were able to connect with them. And, and it was amazing to see them come back. That's really cool. I know you guys were very loved. I I saw that they set up like a custom little backdrop for you, right? The last activity, was that the last activity that you did together? Yeah, it was really sweet. Yeah, that was really cute. I'll put a picture of that in the show notes for anyone that wants to see that. So a couple last questions for you. Number one, will you do it again? Yeah. Before we left, we were saying, we will do this again. Absolutely. Maybe our family's not so happy to hear that, but we will will do this again. For sure. We loved it. It's really a question of when, and we now need to go back to work for a while, but we for sure will go on at least one more and probably more than one more mission because we enjoyed it so much. That's awesome. Mom has briefly mentioned on stories that it's an adjustment coming back. What has that been like? Just tell me briefly what adjusting to civilian life is like after serving a mission? For me, I knew it would happen quickly. I felt, I told your mom that in about a month or two, it will be as if we never left. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you're looking at it, uh, that is happening. I went back to work very quickly because of circumstances at work uh, kind of needed me to get back quickly. But I feel blessed that I'm right back at, at my law firm where I had had been before and really haven't missed a, a, a step in terms of me being busy and having plenty of work to do. So it's been a blessing. The greatest blessing, of course, is being with family, reconnecting. That's a beautiful adjustment. Not a, not a problem at all. It's, it's a joy. We welcomed three new grandbabies when we saw them for the first time, including your little Harry. It was just an amazing welcome home reunion with our family and to see these three beautiful grandbabies. Yeah. I mean, I think 
for me, it's, I mean, we've been home a little over two weeks now and it, the adjustment, you know, we were really, really busy with family the first 10 days and then you all started to go back home. And so now it's just us again. And it's not like we had this really rigid schedule, but just to go from service to this life where you go back to work, you go back to, you know, you have all these other things that fill up your life. And it's really easy to, it's easy to fill up your life with things. And I think for me, at least I'm trying to think about, okay, what's most important? What do I need to, you know, what did I learn from being on a mission and how can I apply that so that we can have a life where we have more, I don't know if you really want to call it balance, but so we have more experiences where I don't think you have to go on a mission to have meaningful opportunities in your life to serve. I think we've been talking about and thinking about like, you know, how do we take those things we learn and then put them back into what we're doing today and you know, make all these things fit so that we're focusing on the most important things. So I think that's, you know, that's the adjustment. There are lots of things that you come back to and it's like, oh, wow, this is so great. I mean, silly things like ice and drinks everywhere, things like that. (laughs) But yeah, it is, it is an adjustment. It's just different when you're in the mission too. I didn't really understand this, but when you're on a mission, your whole life revolves around that mission. Just like you know, when you're here, your whole life revolves around you and your family. But when you're in a mission, it's like your whole life is that mission. When's the next transfer? When's the next zone conference? When's our next meeting? When are we meeting with these young adults next? And what lesson do we need to teach lesson next? I mean, everything revolves around your mission life. So it is, you know, it has really helped me to see too, now that we've come back that how much of an adjustment it is, especially for the younger missionaries. And I think as a, as a church too, I think we could probably do a lot more to help, especially the younger missionaries make that adjustment. Well, I have appreciated so much what you guys have shared and all the experiences that you've been willing to share with me. My last question is, if there's one message that you want people to remember from this podcast episode, what do you want that one message to be? Well, the message that I would share is, or really would be to echo the words of President Nelson. We heard before we came that the gathering of Israel is the most important thing taking place on the earth today. Of course, that resonates with most of us who have served missions and who have served in church callings because all of that is part of the gathering of Israel. So going and serving a full-time mission is tremendously rewarding knowing that that is, in fact, the most important thing taking place on the earth. And then in October of 2020, President Nelson addressed the church in his conference talk of Let God Prevail. And I had never really thought about what we were doing in the context of allowing God to prevail in our lives. But when he gave the talk that we should let God prevail, while we're serving a full-time mission, it made me feel very grateful that we had heeded the words of the Spirit, the, the, the voice of the Spirit, 
and decided to serve. And he said something in that talk that, that maybe I'd like to share. He said, now, my dear brothers and sisters, it takes both faith and courage to let God prevail. It takes persistent, rigorous spiritual work to repent and put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It takes consistent daily effort to develop personal habits, to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. That's the message. If we allow God to prevail, just like with mom and me, it it wasn't our natural thought to go on a mission at this phase of our life. But because we listened to the Spirit, and then we prayed to Heavenly Father for help, He helped us figure out a way to do it. It was an amazing experience. And that's that's, that's the lesson that I learned was that if we allow God to prevail, He will do things and, and allow us to do things that we couldn't even comprehend before. I agree with that. I, I think that it's really easy to put off. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, we're going to go on a mission. And we did that for years. And I think we would have gone, but we didn't really have, you know, it's not like we had this exact date in mind. And then all of a sudden, it was just teed up for us. And it was like, hey, here's this opportunity we would like you to come and serve. And so I think for us to have that opportunity, to be given that opportunity, I'm just, I feel really grateful that, that we were paying attention when Heavenly Father said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I'm really grateful that we were in a position to be able to do that. I know we talked about this on the podcast before that we. I think have been preparing for many, many years for this without really knowing some of the things that we've done have prepared us for this time in our lives. And I just think, you know, if there is one message that I would hope people would, we would have been able to share we, that we shared with people while we were on our mission. I think, especially through social media, that was that you can do this and it's, I just cannot, I still, I just cannot imagine a better experience for a married couple to have together and for you to give to your family too. I mean, it's not easy and convenient. And we, so many times when we were on our mission, mentioning couples that we knew, we'd be, we'd say, oh, they would be such great missionaries. You know, so many couples' names would come up. And so many people that we know that could go that just they're worried about their kids. And so if you're a a younger person listening to this, give your parents permission to go. So many people our age will say things like, we can't go because we, we can't leave our kids. We can't leave our grandkids. And you're like, yes, you can. (laughs) We had three grandkids while we were gone, three grandkids in nine months. And you all survived. And I think that see that you're going to leave your family is you're just gone. It's a minute. You're just gone for a minute. It's such a short time. And it's such valuable time, such valuable spiritual time. I love that. And I mean, I probably wouldn't have given you permission if you had asked me, but since you guys we're following the spirit better than I did. I I saw the blessings that came to our family and that came to my family, my little family, and that 
it was hard for us. It was hard for me. I, I went through a lot of hard things where I thought it would have been really nice to have my mom and dad, especially my mom, a two-hour plane ride away. But also, we would have missed out on so many things, learning things from you and dad during your mission. And so many of the people, my, my feeling too was, if I have to give my parents up for a year and a half, I'm really glad that we can share them with so many young adults, young single adults, young missionaries that were in a really, really hard time that they probably didn't have a mom and dad. You know, I mean, none of those missionaries did have their parents right there close by or in as close of contact as you guys were with them. And then all of the young single adults that you were able to serve with. So I'm, I'm glad that if we were going to give you up for a year and a half to serve in that capacity that we were able to do it at a time when you guys were needed even more than probably you would have been a year before that or even right now so I'm grateful that the Lord was able to use you in that capacity so back to cooking now mom and sharing recipes yeah in fact just posted a paella recipe yesterday that I worked on for months but it just it's one of those things on the mission you think you're going to have all this time and it took months of that finally got posted and trying to post some of the Spanish things that we really grew to love when we were in Spain, some of the dishes. Awesome. So where can people find you if they want to see that and continue to follow along with you and dad? On aboutthekitchen.com and then on Instagram, aboutthekitchen. At aboutthekitchen. Okay. Awesome. Thanks again, you guys, for being here. I love you. Love you, Corinne. Love you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcast and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.